we're back. It's your boy, Matty G, the low-key OG, the Omega-3 Poppy, out here as always with Colby Patnode. Colby, how's it going? It's going okay, man. Um, you know, it's it's life, so there's always some weird, uh, some weird occurrences, especially in 2020. But, I mean, overall, I can't complain. Um, healthy. The Seahawks are going to be playing football again this weekend. Um, I appreciate the bye week, but also I really had nothing to do on Sunday. So, um, it's kind of a, a mixed bag there, but overall I'm doing well, uh, world series going on right now. And, uh, you know, that's an exciting time for me personally. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't really complain. How about you? Good. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, things, things could be better. I know people are. <laughs> I know people are awfully happy. Most of these, well, I don't want to say most. A handful of y'all, a lot of y'all, um, been praying on my downfall since day one. I see you. It's all good. You know what I'm saying. I'm currently sitting at number nine in the standings, which is music to some of some of yours, some of y'all's ears. I know it. Um. You, on the other hand, are up there at three. That's got to feel pretty good. Um, things have shaped up, shaped up awfully nice for for you in the first half. And the first half, I guess you'd call it half of the season. Um, we're about we're about halfway. Um, I, let me just get your your take real quick on this. So, I just, I I hate to put somebody, um, you know in the spotlight here. I hate to do that. I'm not trying to put him on the spot. But as we as we talk, as we speak tonight on October the 21st, Stephen Woods is sitting atop the standings in the Hawks nest. And I just wanted to get your take on that. Um yeah, you know, he's one game up on myself and Brian, and we both have, I mean, Brian has a fairly significant points for lead and I'm about 20 ahead of him. Uh, so, I mean, it's not like he's running away with this league or by any stretch really. Uh, but yeah, you know, you, you got to give Steven some credit here. He's kind of doing it with a little bit of a, um, I don't want to call it patchwork team because I mean, Dalvin cook and, uh, you know, Josh Allen have both been really good, but Cook missed or Cook missed a game. Julio Jones has been out for a couple games and really hasn't even been himself. Carson Wentz has been terrible in real life football, but we all know that doesn't really matter in fantasy. So yeah, he's nine and three. I just I wonder if maybe this is a a paper lion per se, um, who's maybe headed for a little bit of a of a uh, not a downfall, but you know, a little bit of a struggle here down the stretch, but uh, we'll see. I mean, you have to give him credit. He's, he's nine and three. And I mean, unless the second half of the season is a disaster, he's probably going to make the playoffs. Um, that's just kind of how it works. So uh, yeah, I, I, you know, good for Steven. Um, they're still what uh, counting this week. They're still seven weeks of the regular season. So uh, long way to go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's up there in points four. Um, somewhat not surprisingly, he's doing very well in points against. I believe he has the second fewest points scored against him. Uh, so, I mean, that, that can kind of tell a story. But um, I, I think, you know, you have to give Stephen credit. Like I said, he, 
not everything has gone right for him this year in terms of injuries. Um, and yet there he is. So, uh, good, good for, uh, good for your boss, Steven boss at work, boss in fantasy football, or at least your boss. Um, so, uh, yeah, good for Steven. Good for Steven. Well, I just want to say, you know, you, you were, I was, we were, we were kind of in lockstep as tends to, <laughs> as tends to be the, the tradition on the podcast so far this season for most of what you said, you know, I really just kind of wanted to echo those sentiments. I thought it was very interesting that you mentioned, uh, you know, that you, he, there's a little bit of a, of a paper lion thing and you, you sort of wonder, you sort of wonder what does the future hold here? How real is this? How sustainable is this? And I'll just I'll just lay it out there like this. You're right. You're absolutely right. Steven has his his team has performed just fine. Please keep in mind though, we're through six weeks and he's averaging less than 110 points against him per week. Mm-hmm. Which is pitiful. So so I think that not to say that he shouldn't be in the playoff conversation, not to say that I don't think that that's real i do think that's real i think that's very real um is he the king of of the standings well technically according if you look at the standings where they where they where they sit right as as we speak here technically yeah he is i suppose but talk to me talk to me in a couple weeks talk to me in two or three weeks and we'll see we'll see where we're at I mean, yeah, he's he's sitting on the throne, but you know, as any Game of Thrones fan will tell you, uh, you either win the Game of Thrones or you die, and there's a pretty good chance Stephen dies because uh, there are quite a few talented rosters lurking right behind him. Um, in terms of like Tower of Power, I, Stephen wouldn't be number one. Um, I think he'd probably be. I, I haven't done a Tower of Power yet, but I think he'd probably do be you know somewhere in that five to eight range would be my guess just kind of eyeballing it. Um, but just one thing I wanted to point out here, um, you realize Steven has had his opponents score almost 200 points less than you. Oh, I do. I know that. Eight, 656 points for or points against Steven, whereas you're at 854. Oh, I know. You're the, you're the only one in the 800s, and you're halfway to 900. Like, oh, my God. You've oh, just been getting destroyed. Well, so this last week, this last week, um, Derrick Henry erupted, sure, uh, sure. and I was going against Casey. Two weeks ago, I had the third most points in the league, and Brian had the most. Um, and that just tends to be my luck a lot of the time. But you know what? It's uh, like you said, and here's the most important thing that I think everybody really just kind of needs to meditate on here. Yes, you know, we're through six weeks, so that, that's a pretty sizable chunk. There's seven weeks to go. So we're not quite, we're, we're kind of halfway. I suppose you could say we're halfway. We're just about halfway. Um, and there's a lot of season left. So a lot can change in seven weeks. And um, I'm excited to, uh, to see how the race for, for the playoffs kind of unfolds here. Because it's, um, it's awfully tight. Yeah. Um, so anyways, you know, I just wanted to, I, th- I thought, you know, sometimes you just see things and you're like, well, you know, for example, I see like, oh, well, there's Brian at the number two spot and there's Colby at the number three spot and 
oh, I don't see anything unusual. And whoa, I'm sorry. I did. I uh, I need to rub my eyes here. Stephen Woods at the number one spot. How how did that happen? And then you see the points against, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that shapes up. You know, we'll see how his schedule luck looks uh, the next seven weeks. So. Uh, yeah, to his credit, he has scored a decent amount of points. Oh no, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I've acknowledged as much. You're absolutely right. But the thing is, is like you said, here's the key: the difference between being the number one spot and being out of the playoff picture, apparently, is 200 points against through six weeks. <laughs> and how do I know that? Because Stephen and I have scored virtually the same number of points. Yep. But his schedule has been among the easiest. Mine has been the hardest. If the playoffs start today, I'm in the consolation bracket. Steven gets a first round bye. Schedule luck matters a lot. Yeah. So we'll see how it shapes up uh, here in the second half for for not just me and Steven, but for for all of us. Um, nobody's out of it. You know, it's still early. So, uh, all right. We don't have a lot to talk about in the way of trades, but we did have three. You know, and you know what? Maybe it's better. Maybe it's better that we don't have as many as we did last episode because that was. <laughs> you know, it's, trades. it's weird. It's almost like there was just like some sort of some sort of energy that everybody in the league could sort of sense. Now is the time that we make that we make moves that we try to shuffle the deck for the second half surge, and it slowed down this week. You yep. know, but uh, in any case, the first deal here that we have to talk about, uh, TJ trades Melvin Gordon to you in exchange for Miles Gaskin. Now, mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of said a lot of what I had to say. Well, not about not about this trade in particular, but I did talk a little bit about Miles Gaskin on the league chat. But I'll let you go ahead and share. Um, Share your thoughts on this on this deal here. Sure. Um, well, uh, this weekend I was at the uh, I was at the beach uh, with my family, so we didn't have uh, very. Good, I didn't have any cell service, so anytime I wanted to hop on, it had to be uh, you know via the leak chat and direct messages and things like that, and even a couple of uh, Twitter DMs with with TJ. Um, so I, I wasn't privy to too much of what was happening on the discussion board. Um, I could check in every once in a while, but I, I didn't see what you had to say, um, or at least I don't remember checking that uh, section. But I'm going to assume that there were a lot of people who thought TJ didn't do well here, would be my guess. That's, that's exactly right. Right. And here's the obviously, I like what I got. Otherwise, I wouldn't have made the deal. But I think this is a honestly, it's a running back two for a running back two. Um, it's. You know, Brian describes it as a challenge trade where it's like, look, I think this guy at the, at the same position is going to be better than that guy at this position. And that's really the gamble you make. So uh, for me, this I mean, this wasn't an easy one. And, uh, you know, obviously Gordon has the DUI. Um, sounds like he's handled it really well. Uh, but then, of course, late on Friday, he, you know, he gets sick and it's not COVID, but then he doesn't travel with the team on Saturday and it's it's strep throat, but now it sounds like he's probably going to play this week. So Gordon's status was kind of up in the air. TJ was in a position where, um, you know, he he needed to win more than I did, 
And I think Gordon is, I, I don't think he's a guaranteed, uh, you know, improvement over Gaskin. I don't, uh, but I think their floors are pretty similar. Uh, and I think the upside for Gordon is just slightly higher. And, you know, you start working around these margins here and we have this idea of kind of the, the massive upgrade trades or the, you know, the, these deals that shake the foundation of somebody's teams. And those are the ones that are important, but you know, sometimes it's about just finding that little, that little 2% bump that you think if, if you know, if miles Gaskin is going to score just for easy math, a hundred points over the next seven weeks or whatever it is. And I think that Melvin Gordon is going to score 102 points. Then those tiny little increments, they can make all the difference in the world. So um, I actually think, you know, this is a trade of, you know, two number two running backs. I think that's their floor on both of them. I just think Gordon has a slightly higher ceiling. Um, so I was willing to roll the dice on here, but I, I think TJ did, you know, perfectly fine, especially when you factor in that Gordon didn't play this week. And, um, you know, we think the DUI thing is, is going to be okay. Um, at least for the time being, but we don't know for sure. There's still some, some, you know, decisions that need to be made there, but it sounds like he's not going to be disciplined by the Broncos, which is good news for me. Uh, that's kind of the risk I took there. And uh, TJ takes a slight downgrade, I would say in uh, upside, but he gets the safer player. So, uh, which sounds weird, but you know, we're six weeks in. So that's, that's kind of the reality of the situation right now. So yeah, it's, it's a, uh, at best, it's a slight improvement for me, but at worst, I think it's probably, you know, a nameless swap or it's, you know, both guys get 75 points, you know, that, that wouldn't shock me. So, um, just trying to improve on the margins, that little extra 2%, um, increase that, uh, may make the difference some weeks. So, uh, that's, that's what I was shooting for. Sure. So I was going to say, you know, when you talk about, about people reacting to this and what it comes down to is, is, and I'll say it like this name value matters, but it doesn't matter. And what I mean by that is, is that Everybody knows who Melvin Gordon is, and yep. everybody sees Melvin Gordon, and they're they're like, oh wow, you know that's a star running back. Um, there's a lot of people out there, especially coming into the year, that didn't have the slightest clue who Miles Gaskin was. Now we're a little bit um, privileged, I suppose, in in that regard up here in in the state of Washington because he went to UW, so of course we know who he is. Um, but a lot of people in the country coming into this this NFL season, they have no clue who Miles Gaskin is, and they wouldn't have thought that he would have had a prayer of competing with Matt Breida and Jordan Howard for the for snaps in the Miami backfield. Um, so I think that really sort of sort of explains a lot of the reaction you get here. So when I say name value matters, name value matters when you're trying to come to the negotiation table in a lot of cases, because when some people see the name Melvin Gordon, he's going to be a lot easier to move for more than somebody like Miles Gaskin, irrespective of how well Gaskin is performing because he doesn't have a, an established track record right. of, of, you know, NFL success, whereas Gordon does. But at the end of the day, fantasy points are fantasy points. And so that's what I mean by, but name value doesn't matter because Gaskin right. might not have a name, but he is getting snaps. He's getting touches. He's performing. He's like you said, he's been, he's been very consistent. 
and he's been a very nice player for fantasy purposes, despite the fact that you might you might say that he's a bit nameless. Um, now, this doesn't pertain to this trade in particular, but I was talking to somebody today at work, and we were talking about the Miami Dolphins and about how they they just made the the move here to go with Tua, and it's interesting that. Flores decided to take the ball from Fitzmagic and give it to Tua right now. Um, and I wonder if part of it is that, you know, when you give the ball to Fitzmagic, there's a good chance that, you know, you're going to get something great or you're going to get something awful. And and nonetheless, I think that, fit, you know, maybe Flores didn't think this was going to be Miami's year to really compete for the division. But you look up right now, and uh, you might be a little bit surprised. You might want to pay attention. I think that maybe the reason that they're giving the ball to Tua right now is because Miami, uh, the Dolphins are very, very real players in the AFC East right now. Um, so just something to just something to pay attention to, not from a fantasy perspective, but from a real life NFL football fan perspective. Um, you know, with Tua and Miles Gaskin out there in Miami, Miami is has been better than people sort of maybe anticipated they would be, especially because what was the chant last year uh, all through the season? Tank for Tua, tank for Tua. Everyone just kind of thinks that the Miami Dolphins are, you know, a dumpster fire. They're not. So if that's where you're at on the Miami Dolphins, then wake up. It's 2020. It's a brand new season. Things are a little bit different, and Miami has given you uh, a reason to pay attention. Um, so moving forward, let's go ahead and let's talk about this next deal. Um, I couldn't tell you the amount of fab. I think it was maybe 10. 10 it was fab. 10. 10 fab Cam gives up to TJ in exchange for Keelan Cole. So what are your thoughts on Keelan Cole? Um. You know, interesting player. I feel like he's kind of been a uh, a fantasy sleeper forever. It seems like um, I, you know, twenty seven years old. He's been in the league three years, and it seems like every single year people have been like, "Oh, this is this is a guy who could break out." And thus far, it's been eh, not great returns. But this year, he actually is breaking out, almost at the expense of DJ Shark, um, and. Uh, you know, I, I right now he's a wide he's wide receiver twenty. That's not that I don't think that's going to sustain uh, necessarily. But he's getting playing a lot of snaps. He's getting a fair fair amount of targets, and uh, you know Jacksonville's throwing the ball a lot because they suck so badly. So uh, it feels like Keelan Cole's finally breaking out uh, in a way, but also you know it's. I think it's a good player, and when you look at what where, uh, you know, uh, where Cam found himself, counting on Alshon Jeffrey to be healthy, I don't know why that was ever a thing, but uh, he found himself in a situation where he needed to make a deal to have a guy to start there, and he got a good player for a reasonable amount of fab, and he went out and he scored. I think it was seventeen points this week, so uh, Cam's got to be feeling pretty good about himself there. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's interesting because I actually agree exactly with exactly with with your take here. I think that what I would say is just simply this: 
I can't believe I'm saying this, but what a bargain for Cam on Keelan Cole. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm saying that about Keelan Cole. After all these years of him being one of those guys that just gets churned on and off the back of benches and on fantasy teams. Um, you know, but maybe maybe this year's different. It looks like it looks like it very well maybe. And so maybe this is a little bit of a, a post-hype sleeper situation here. And 10 fab for a guy that you can plug into the flex, or dare I say it, maybe even if you have to during like a bye week or something, the, the, the wide receiver two spot and feel, and feel pretty good about it. Mm-hmm. Why not? So um, we'll see. You know, it's one of those where it's like, play this back in seven weeks and see see how it ages <laughs> because because seven weeks from now we might be saying something different but so far Keelan Cole has not has not given us any reason this season to keep him out of lineups so yep. um, that's my thought on Keelan Cole yep I tend um, to agree the this last deal is far and away I mean my God, this is the <laughs> this is the maple syrup on the waffle the waffle stack. I mean, I was just like, I'm telling you right now. I remember when this trade went through. I was on the phone with Cam, and I like when I'm home and I'm just kicking it. I like to keep the league chat on on my laptop and just so I can you know BS with the guys if there's something being chatted about. And so I'm talking to Cam and I look down. And I see this deal, a deal went through, and I told I told Cam, "Oh man, oh no, you're never gonna believe this one." He's like, "What? What is it? What is it?" And I was like, "Yo, you're not ready for this one." And he's like, "Whoa, what's Brian doing?" <laughs> <laughs> so. So anyways, here's the deal. Brian uh, Brian acquires Adam Thielen from Jake in exchange for Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds, mm-hmm. DJ Chark, mm-hmm. and DeAndre Swift. Um, yes, sir. What are your thoughts here? There's, I mean, listen, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot to be said here. Yeah, there is. Um so I, I know, you know, having when you trade as much as Brian and I do, uh, you're bound to have a lot of conversations with each other. So I, I know that Brian was trying to find somebody to take Kenyon Drake um, for a while now. So I wasn't too surprised to see him in the deal. And then you kind of look at DJ Shark and you're like, okay, I mean, that's Drake and Shark for, for Thielen. I, I prefer Thielen, but I mean, it, it's, I understand. And then you look at Edmonds and you're kind of like, eh, I mean, Edmonds is. Sorry, Edmonds is probably a little bit better than a handcuff. Um, in fact, he may be the starting running back there. Um, so you kind of you go, uh, and then you look at DeAndre Swift, and you're like, I mean, I know he hasn't broken out yet, but that was a really high draft pick, and just kind of felt like Swift was was you know due to kind of be more involved. I think we talked about him last week, even um, as a guy who probably needed to be used more. Um, and so, you know, your initial reaction is, wow, that's a lot. And then you kind of look at it and you go, well, 
I mean, I get it because Sealand's top five wide receiver right now. Um, so it, what it really comes down to is almost like, how does this impact both teams' starting lineups? Because, I mean, deals that seem, you know, can seem like a big win or loss for one side, you can look at their lineup after they insert the players and you're like, oh, okay, I kind of understand why you were willing to take those risks. Um, so when you go and you look at the Brian's team, for example, and he trades away his running back two and a pretty good wide receiver who was a wide receiver two last year, more of a wide receiver three this year. But you kind of start to think, okay, so what, what what's he working with here? And then you go, okay, um, well, he gets Adam Thielen and he gets to put him in this lineup with Calvin Ridley and Mike Evans and Darren Waller and CD Lamb. And, you know, and then you kind of start looking, okay, well, what about running backs? And you go, oh, well, he's going to get McCaffrey back, we think. That 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 uh, that's that timeline has been getting pushed back almost weekly now. Um, he's got he's got Mike Davis, which is nice, but right now his running back too is Michael P. Ryan. So you know, yeah, it's it's one of those. It's it's kind of similar to what Max has been doing, where Max has basically said, "I don't need no effing you know depth at all." Like. I'm going to win this thing. You don't win championships with your depth, um, which, I mean, we'll see. But that's a lot to give. And it's not like, you know, we're not talking about bi-week fill-ins that Brian gave up here. We're talking about some legitimate starters. Granted, starters who have struggled. Like, I, I don't want to paint this picture that Kenyon Drake's been amazing all year. He wasn't. He he was amazing against a really crappy Dallas Cowboys team on Monday Night Football. But other than that, he's been a disappointment Shark's been a disappointment, and DeAndre Swift has been a disappointment. Now, of course, Brian makes his trade, and like I said, Drake goes off, and Shark has a pretty nice week, and DeAndre Swift has his breakout game. So it looks even worse now uh, to a lot of people because of the circumstance. But I can certainly understand why Brian would look at this and look at that wide receiving uh, core, that that quattro, and say, that's, that's damn good. But... Eh. It's 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 risky. It's risky. There's a lot of risk there. Meanwhile, I feel like Jake uh, kind of just raises his floor a little bit here, um, gets some good quality depth, uh, you know, and potentially if this is a sign of things to come from Kenyon Drake, uh, he gets to pair him with Aaron Jones and Kenyon Drake, and then you know you're looking at Keenan Allen, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, and uh, DJ Shark, that that's a pretty solid wide receiving core. Uh, yeah, I, I think Jake and Jake also get some you know pretty decent trade web, trade chips here. Um, if he wants to trade DeAndre Swift, I mean his interest is definitely he's going to definitely going to have more interest in him now than he would a week ago. So um, I I get it from Brian's perspective. I think it was a bit of an overpay, um, and I, I I think you know I understand why he did it but I, I still think at the end of the the year we're going to look back at that one and go probably not the best idea but uh we'll see i i'm i'm a big adam thielen fan so uh i could see this working out for brian sure so i remember when i when this trade first went down and and i was talking with cam about it and and he was like you know what is brian doing and i explained to him i was like well when i look at the deal basically Brian wanted a for sure thing. And like you said, you know, Drake has struggled most of this year. 
Chark coming into the year, everyone thought he was the top receiver in Jacksonville. I don't know that we're necessarily convinced of that anymore because um, mm-hmm. he struggled too. And DeAndre Swift is a is a rookie that really should be taking more volume for Detroit, but Matt Patricia is borderline Adam Gase level incompetent, and Ouch. he insists that he's going to keep rolling with the corpse of what used to be Adrian Peterson. Um, and so anyways, you know, Jake gets a lot more, um, you know, a lot more pieces and a lot more potential, but there's more, it's where he gets depth, but there's more questions with the depth. If, if he hits on these pieces, then he can win this trade running away at the Mm -hmm. end of the year. But, um, Brian was willing to sacrifice that depth and the questions that come along with it in order to get what he perceives as a for sure thing in Adam Thielen. And Adam Thielen has been exceptional this year. So yeah. um, very interesting deal. Although I agree with you, I would, it does feel like an overpay. Um, although, like I said, I do understand what, you know, at least I think I understand what Brian's thinking here. It, it does feel like a bit of an overpay, um, and it's not something that I would necessarily advise somebody to do. I wouldn't have made this move. Um, but as you said yourself, time will tell. So that does it for the trades. Um, we can go ahead and we can brush over the waivers real quick. It wasn't, you know, some, some weeks you come into waivers, you're excited. You know, you know, there's going to be some major prizes out there, um, on the you know largely on the basis of injury usually. Right. Um, this week, I felt like it wasn't the best. It wasn't the nah. most exciting um, waiver wire Wednesday, but um, a couple of uh, interesting uh, pickups. I guess we'll we'll mostly just cover the ones that. That went for for Fab money. So so Stephen picks up picks up um, tight end Anthony Ferkser for yep. the Tennessee Titans for sixteen Fab. The second high the second highest bid was Garcet fifteen. That's got to hurt. That's got to hurt a little bit. Um, and then of course Cam throws nine in there too because. Um, he has Johnny Smith, so right. you know, trying to get the cuff. But Steven has the fab, so Steven gets his guy. So you know, as the week progresses with practice reports here for Tennessee, we'll see if it was sixteen dollars well spent. Um, if Johnny plays, then um, maybe a waste. But hey, you know, it was worth a gamble. Oh yeah. Um, do you have anything you want to add to that? No, I mean, Steven's got the fab uh, to take that gamble. And uh, I, I would be interested to know from Steven if he bid 16 specifically because he thought Garza might go after him and Garza's at 15. Um, I don't – I are they – please tell me – oh, okay. Please tell me they're playing each other this week. Um, but, no, yeah, it's interesting that he went 16. Um, yeah, and if, if John who can play, then – 
you know, it's, it's, it's probably a junk bond at that point, but it's a, it's a risk worth taking. It's a pretty low investment when you consider how much more money Steven has in fab than almost everybody in the league, except for, I think you and, uh, you and, um, Derek, Derek. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to remember if it was Derek or Isaiah. Um, Isaiah spent that money on, uh, on Dalton. Yikes. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think it was, I think it's a, a fair risk to take. And, uh, you know, I, I threw a, a pretty decent bit on there too, just in case. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty good bit. It's a pretty good bid. And like I said, it's, it's like a $1 scratch off ticket. So the payoff might only be, you know, a hundred bucks, but the risk is only $1. So why not? Sure. Um, you know, it's funny because Garza, was the runner-up for Ferkser, but he does land Richard Rogers for 10 fab. Yeah. Second high bid here is Cam at 9. I honestly, you maybe you disagree. I actually, I wonder if Richard Rogers might actually be the better buy here. Not even necessarily just on the basis of money. The money could be even. Um, yeah. And you might rather just have Richard Rogers with... Um, with Ertz leaving last week um, with an injury, he'll be he'll be out for a few weeks here. Um, mm-hmm. So the Eagles are getting Deshaun Jackson back this week on Thursday night, um, but you have to think there's a chance here, and it's it's always a gamble with tight ends. You just don't know, sure. but but um, there's a chance here that that Richard Rodgers might get a, a little bit of a volume spike here. I think there's a yeah, I think there's a pretty fair chance that happens. So uh I I think, you know, the Eagles are going to use their tight end, uh almost regardless of who it is. Uh um sorry, Dallas Goddard, his name I forgot his name for a second. He's not quite ready to return. Um so this might be a very short term thing, but we all think, you know, um Fersker is that how you pronounce his name? Fersker? I don't Fersker? know. I'm just listen, I'm just I'm just saying things. Okay. Uh, there's a pretty good chance that he is a zero week thing or well, the one week thing, but you know, nobody had him on the roster last week. So um, yeah, I, I think, you know, Rogers is a, is a pretty good buy here. Um, you know, would I rather have Rogers for 10 or first for 16? I'd rather have Rogers for 10, but even if it's Rogers for 10 or Rogers for 16 and Frisker for 16, I think you can make a really good argument that you'd rather have Rodgers anyway. So uh, I think that worked out pretty well for Garza. Agreed. Um, the next one here is Tevin Coleman yep. for for ten bucks to me, um, and it it could have easily it could have just as easily been zero because the other two bids here are you and Brian at mm-hmm. zero, and I was and to be honest with you, I thought about well maybe I could sneak him through for for zero, and then I thought. Better not. <laughs> better not I mean, even. Better not even try it because there's been too many times this season on waivers where I try to either bid zero or bid just a little amount, and then you just don't get your guy in the end. So I I was willing to say, hey, I don't care if other people bid nothing, and I burn money that I didn't have to burn. So be it. I wanted to make sure that I. Pick up Coleman, and I think that if you think about it for a little while, uh, you know, for just a little while, it's pretty obvious why I would want Coleman. Um, yep. I have McKinnon, and mm-hmm. 
So there's a chance that when Coleman is healthy and back, uh, maybe he starts to take the lion's share of the carries in the San Francisco backfield. I think that would be um, not wise of Kyle Shanahan to play it that way. But I also understand that it's not my decision. And he learned from the best um, about the hot hand barf. <laughs> so, well, I mean, it's, it's not exactly, I mean, Mostert's hurt right now and it sounds like it's going to be at least three weeks for him. Um, and it's not like McKinnon is the picture of health himself. So, uh, yeah, I, I was kind of hoping that you guys would forget about Coleman, um, you know, until next week. I thought maybe with the bye weeks coming up, there might be some more pressing needs. And I was going to try and sneak him onto my roster for the exact same reason. Uh, you spent 10 fab on him. So, uh, yeah, that was, I think that was a sneaky good play. Um, and I'm a little bit surprised that only three people actually bid on him. Agreed. I agreed 100%. Um, but you did land Mo Alley Cox here for two fab. Yeah. So what are your thoughts there? Just a lottery ticket on a tight end who's athletic and plays in an offense with a quarterback who can't really put the ball downfield, is going to use his tight ends, always has, and has continued to do so. You know, Jack Doyle and Trey Burton both had pretty good games this weekend. Of course, Jack Doyle had to go and fumble for me, one of my four turnovers. So that's a that's a sweet negative sixteen points right there. Uh, so uh, it's it's a little bittersweet, and he's on bye this week. So um, I figured that there wouldn't be that much action on him. Uh, he's injured; he hasn't played in a couple weeks. But it's kind of hard to ignore what he did, uh, you know, in weeks two, uh, weeks two. What was it, two, three, and four, where he was the guy? Um, so we'll see. I'm taking a chance on him that he's healthy out of the bye. I've gotten literally nothing from tight ends this year. Uh, so if there's a guy who has, you know, had a hundred yard game and caught a couple of touchdowns, uh, out there in free agency, a tight end, I'm probably going to roll the dice on that guy. So, you know, two bucks for a super athletic tight end who, you know, may or may not have a job. I, I, it was worth the risk to me. Sure. Um, and the last the last one I wanted to mention, and it was just a brief conversation that happened this morning. Garza goes ahead and swoops up Joe Flacco <laughs> for zero fab, and I um, can only assume that he's getting the spot start this week. Um, uh, well, I think that was Garza's plan, uh, but Sam Darnold practiced partially today. Um, if Darnold practices tomorrow, He's probably the guy. Um, so um, guards have picked him up to use him this week because Lamar Jackson's on by. Uh, Austin Eckler's on uh, IR. Naheem Hines, T.Y. Hilton, they're on by. So is Justin Jefferson and Mark Andrews. So it's pretty much Joe Flacco or Golden Tate. Um, I might rather start Golden Tate anyways, but it doesn't sound like Flacco's going to get the start either way. Or at least it's it's a true 50-50 shot that he gets the start. So... Uh, yeah, Garza's in a little bit of a bye week hell, so I appreciate the uh, the thought process there, and it might work out for him. Let's see if he has him. Yeah, so he currently does have him in the super flex, and you're right. Wow, man, he is week seven, man. You could call it bye week hell. That is for sure. TJ and I are in a fourteen team dynasty league. 
um, in which we are now five and one. We suffered our first loss. Um, and again, it's 14 teams. There's like 30 players per roster. So yeah, it's, it's super deep. There's nothing in free agency. And unfortunately our two quarterbacks in this league, uh, in this dynasty league are Lamar Jackson and Phillip rivers, Ugh. both on by this week. Um, still working the phones, trying to get a trade done there. Um, our backup quarterbacks are Robert Griffin, the third, who as Lamar Jackson's backup is on by and Jacob Eason, who is like the third quarterback. Uh, so, uh, currently we are starting in that, in the quarterback spot in that league, Jalen hurts. So I, I know, I know how you're feeling Garza. I really do. I get it. Oh, so, boy. uh, yeah. So, uh, week seven, man, there, there's some, some good teams on by just like there was in week six with the saints and the Seahawks. So, uh, we're at that time of the year, man, where bye weeks are going to, you know, it doesn't matter who you play. It kind of matters when you play them. So, uh, bye week hell is upon us and it's going to be here for the next couple weeks. That's you said, I mean, I couldn't have said it any better. Um, well, that covers all the stuff in the league, really. Um, and so we have a little bit of time here. I just wanted to throw a little a little thought out here and kind of get your thoughts here. You know, one of the big things that we like to do heading into the season is everybody thinks that they know who these NFL teams are, how good they're going to be, or bad for that matter. Um, I would just say not necessarily – who were you the most wrong about? But who of all the teams in the league through six weeks, which which result, I suppose, which team would you say is the most surprising to you? Does anybody stand out off the top of your head? Um, in terms of uh, negatively? <laughs> Either way. Uh, I was yeah, I, I was pretty high on the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you know, this this season, uh, I thought the offense was going to be really good, and I thought the defense was going to take a step forward because there's no way Dan Quinn could have, you know, horrifically bad defenses in back to back years. Um, so, yep, definitely wrong on that. Um, you know, I thought I thought Dallas was probably going to win that division, but even with Dak, they were awful. Awful, awful. So uh, that was a surprise uh, in the negative side. Uh, you know, some positive surprises. Um, you know, pleasantly surprised with Miami. I thought they were going to be a, a you know a greatly improved team, but I think right now they're going into their bye week one game back of the division lead of Buffalo. So uh, that's definitely a surprise. Um, you know, other than that, it's the teams that we thought were going to be bad are really, really bad. And the teams that we thought were going to be good seem to be pretty darn good. And then there's just a whole like swamp of just mediocrity in the middle. Um, so yeah, I mean, some teams are suffering injuries like the 49ers. Uh, so that kind of makes it tough to uh, judge them accurately. But um, as far as surprises go, um, oh, and uh, Carolina Panthers. Uh, I was going to say you're missing one and that's the one that really, really, stands out to me you have an offense that you know it runs through teddy two gloves and it's dj moore and it's robbie anderson Mm -hmm. and it was supposed to be christian mccaffrey but 
suddenly uh, Mike Davis is a pro bowler, I guess. Never thought I'd see the day, but and it's so it's it's these really underwhelming not not to not to disparage DJ Moore because that's a really nice player and Robbie Anderson in case you guys have been hiding under a rock for the first month and a half of the season is having a hell of a year. I mean maybe surprise player of the year potentially Robbie Anderson on the Carolina Panthers I would have thought that he would have been absolute trash. Yeah. Um but nonetheless or if it's between him and Mike Davis th- these guys and then the no-name defense. I mean, I can't name a single guy. I can't name a single player on that defense off the top of my head. I think they have a corner named Bradbury. Um, yeah, isn't uh, Kwan Short still around? I couldn't tell you. I, I think he is. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, Carolina is an absolute shock to me. And Matt Rule needs, I mean, I know it's early. They're three and three. He needs to be in that coach of the year conversation. Given yeah. given the expectations coming into the year, I would have told you these guys, I mean, they're going to be picking in the top five, no doubt. Um, not so fast. I mean, these guys are a game back on Tampa Bay. Yeah. So, uh, I understand, again, it's early, but the Carolina Panthers are, I mean, I'm speechless. I'm not, I'm, they're not, it's not that they're amazing, it's just like, wow, how, like, how? How is, it, how is this even possible? Um, so, I think that Matt Rule's done a hell of a job, and I just really want to acknowledge that, you know, through six weeks, I couldn't have been more wrong about the Carolina Panthers. Because here they are sitting at 500, and I would have I would have thought there was no chance. That being said, when I take a look here at the NFL standings, just one little tidbit here that I think is kind of fun. Um, you'll notice if you're paying attention to all the numbers out here in the standings, every single team in the NFC East currently has a negative point differential. Every single team in the NFC West currently has a positive point differential. And those are the only divisions in the National Football League where every team is either positive or negative. Feels right. It does It does feel right. That being said, I also want to point out one more thing that stands out. Because we did talk a little bit about the Dolphins earlier. And you just mentioned the Dolphins. And I think that's totally fair. Um, and this might have something to do with opponents. So I couldn't tell you, I guess I could look at the opponents. Um, everybody just seems like, seems set on the fact that the Buffalo Bills are going to win the AFC East. Uh, but the Bills currently have a negative point differential, negative 12 on the season. The Dolphins are the only team in the AFC East that currently has a positive point differential and it's plus 47. So, so what does that mean? Well, well, actually, I can tell you what it means because I'm looking at the schedule now. <laughs> it means that the Miami Dolphins have played the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets. 
I mean, to be fair, they also curb stomped the San Francisco 49ers. That um, is true. That is true. But they were but it was the banged up version of the Niners. Right. It's it's the JV 49ers, but I mean, I don't there's not really a difference between the JV 49ers and the actual 49ers right now. So, um you know, I mean, you can only play the opponent that's that's set in front of you, but uh yeah, it's it's a bit of a easy or schedule. They won the games that they should win. Um by the way, you want to talk about schedule quirks? The uh the Los Angeles Rams, right? They're Four and two, right? Mm-hmm. All four wins have come against the NFC East. Oh my God! <laughs> they, they beat the Giants, the Cowboys, the football team, and they beat the uh, oh crap, who am I? The Eagles. So uh, yeah, it's it. I mean, talk about possibly being a paper lion. There you go. They got pretty much manhandled by the JV Forty Niners, and they got pretty much. Uh, I mean, they did take the lead late against Buffalo and maybe probably should have won that game. I think the Rams are good. I'm not trying to say they're bad, but, you know, records can kind of be deceiving and they're four and two, but that's kind of the record, the exact record they should have. So, I mean, I guess kudos to them for not losing any games that they they shouldn't. But That's fascinating because when you look at power rankings, you'll always see the Rams ranked pretty high. And... I remember last week we talked about it was either last week or the week before. I think it was last week. We talked about with the Seahawks going into their bye week undefeated and you look at the schedule and the upcoming games and what which game are you the most worried about in terms of, you know, potentially taking uh their first loss. And we both kind of agreed with the Rams, but when you look at the Rams and their results through six weeks, that's a very, very interesting point that you're making here. Should we really be afraid of the Rams? I mean, yes, because they always play Seattle tough and it really hasn't shown we have really haven't shown any ability to stop the Sean McVay offense in what, three years? Or I guess two years, and then whatever we do this year. So uh yeah, I mean you're always gonna be a little bit afraid of that. There's no you know, crowd noise. So McVay just gets to be in Goff's ear pretty much until the football comes out of the dude's hand. Um, and we all know how effective Goff is when you only give him one option and make him get the football out before, you know, before a defender comes within 10 feet of him, uh, then yeah, he's a good quarterback, but, uh, yeah, it's, I think the Rams, they're tough just because the matchup is tough. The way the teams are built. Um, so yeah, I, I still think you know you have to really consider them, but I'm wondering if just maybe they're not, you know, there was a lot of talk about oh hey they're they're back, you know here's the twenty well twenty eighteen Rams, some different players but pretty much the same team they're back and you're like mm, let's wait until maybe they beat somebody who doesn't suck. Um, so we'll see what happens with the Rams, but uh, yeah, that's still going to be a tough game for Seattle. All division games are. Um, but it is nice to know that the Rams have played their four easiest games and the Seahawks still have games with three of those teams. Uh, so yeah, it's the schedule definitely points in favor of the Seahawks. Sure. Um, there's, so there's, there's one more thing here I wanted to point out there as we speak, there is through six weeks, only one team remaining winless in the national football league that being the New York Jets. I want to do a quick 
deep dive discussion. <laughs> Are the Jets going to go 0 and 16? So let's just let's just look at the schedule, okay? Shall we? So they have a they have a week ten bye. Um, before the bye, they play versus the Buffalo Bills. Then they go to Kansas City. Then they play the Patriots. Are they? I mean, anything winnable there? I mean, probably not. I don't. I don't know how good New England actually is, but I know the Jets are really bad. So, yeah, good chance they lose all three of those games. That's fair. I would agree with that. They go into the bye week. If that's the case, they'll go into the bye week 0-9. That gives us, uh, what, six, seven games. Seven games left for them to get a win. So let's break it down three and four. So the first, actually, we'll go four and three. The first four here. At the Chargers, home to the Dolphins, home to the Raiders, then they um, go to then they go to Seattle. Uh, I think they might be able to beat Miami. Um, I mean, again, it's tough to know because we don't know who's going to be healthy in these weeks, but just based on what we know right now, I'd say that Miami game, probably their best shot. I mean, the chargers always kind of find a way to, you know, to pee down their own leg. So, uh, <laughs> that, that one's interesting. Uh, and I, I think Vegas is kind of fake. Uh, to be honest with you, almost no chance coming across the country to play Seattle. So I think if they're going to win one game, it's going to come out of that those three games after the bye. But if I'm laying down money, uh, I'm taking all four of those teams over the Jets. So um, kind of take that for what it's worth. Then we close it out with um, they travel to L.A. to play the Rams. Then they yep. come back home against the Browns. Then they go to the Patriots to end the season. Yeah, that's that's not an easy schedule. I mean, there's let's see, one, two, three, four, probably five playoff teams. And depending on how you feel about Miami, the Chargers, New England, um, and Las Vegas. I mean, I think those are all playoff contenders at least. So. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's it's not looking good. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm pretty sure they're going to go 0 and 16. I think you're underestimating the great Nancy uh, Reagan to Jamison Crowder connection. That is until Crowder is traded. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe they fire Adam Gase and they actually, uh, you know, win a game just because they're so happy that that dude's out of their lives forever. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know I would play a lot harder for somebody who wasn't Adam Gase. Um, but while they're at it, they need to fire Greg Williams and pretty much that entire staff. So um, probably not going to happen. But, hey, if you're a Jets fan, you know, you tank for Trevor or uh, Trey Lance or, you know, Justin Fields or whoever it is. Um, but I don't know. Better question is, if you're if you're Trevor Lawrence and the Jets hold the number one overall pick, are you pulling in Eli Manning and just being like, nope, I will not play for you. Either trade the pick or I'm going back to school. Like, I, I mean, that's such a dumpster fire. It, it, what it comes down to is, is really if Adam Gase is still there or not. If Adam Gase be. is still the head coach of the Jets, you don't want to be there. But if you have a new regime in town, then things, things can change. 
and yeah. um, things have have changed around the NFL over the years for all teams besides the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> just the Jags kidding. were good. Just for kidding. A bit. Jacksonville had one one really yeah. great season, but but none were good for a hot minute. That's right. And then and then the shit hit the fan awfully quick. But um, in any in any case, um, that's all I have to say about uh, about the Jets. Um, is there anything that you wanted to go over before we close this thing out? Um, no, I, I, I think we're good. Um, you know, it's, uh, some pretty interesting matchups. I will say that, um, most of them projected to be really close. Uh, you know, you've got Casey versus Brian. Casey's just a game back of Brian and myself, uh, for that number two seed. Uh, so that's a really interesting one. Uh, myself versus Cam. Uh, that's projected to be a really close matchup. Uh, you versus Russian Bot. Those are two really good teams. You have a pretty, uh, you know, decided advantage at least in projections. But uh, that one's up in the air. You have the brother matchup, right? TJ versus Tyler. Um, Classic. Tyler's. Yep. Tyler's a team that's kind of going in. These are two teams that are kind of going in the opposite directions, right? TJ's gone two and zero three weeks in a row. Um, Tyler, I believe started four and two. He's now five and seven. Um, you kind of have Scott trying to save his season against Steven. You have, uh, same kind of being said for, for both Jake and Derek who match up against each other. And then you have poor Garza, who's going to get his ass kicked by Max. Who's just going to coast to an easy win. Um, which I'm sure Max will brag about all week you know, defeating the team, <laughs> defeating the team that has Joe Flacco in their super flex. Um, bravo, bravo, Max. Yes. Um, but no, it's, it's, I mean, Max has got a good team, so I'm not, I'm not taking any unnecessary shots there, but it is just a rough, rough week for uh, Garza who kind of needs, he kind of can't go and two this week. Um, but pretty much like literally half of his team is on by. So, He's in a rough spot, but uh, yeah, some really interesting matchups, some matchups that have some, uh, you know, standings implications, some major, there could be some major shifting after this week in the standings. And so that'll be, uh, that'll be fun. No question. This is the best time of the year. The playoff race in the Hawks nest is about to heat up and I am so psyched to see how this, how this plays out over the next seven weeks. So um, if you don't have anything else that you wanted to uh, to throw out there, then with that being said, uh, this is this is your boy Matty G, the Omega Three Poppy, reminding you to never keep it low key when it comes to your Omega Threes. Get those Omega Threes and go Hawks. Yeah, uh, I can't really top that. Go Hawks. <laughs>